we're working our way through uh, Ephesians, and remember last week as we covered just the first seven or nine verses, rather, we discovered that I am now a saint. I am not a sinner. For those of you that missed that, and you still feel like you're sinners, you need to listen to that tape, <laughs> and, uh, or sit down with, uh, call me, and uh, we'll talk about it. Um, Paul says to the saints, he didn't write it to a cemetery, he wrote it to the saints, he didn't, he's not talking to those that are already in heaven, he wrote it to the saints, that's what you are, and uh, we need to get moved past this idea that I'm just a sinner, because that's where, if I think that I'm a sinner, and I call myself a sinner, that's where I'm going to stay, and I'm going to give myself an excuse to stay there, and that's uh, not what God has intended for any of us. Maybe that's why we still keep recycling sin, and keep falling back, because we go, oh, well, we're all just sinners, Stop it. And we also learned that we were chosen by God before the foundations of the world. That's pretty, that's pretty cool. I also discovered that I'm adopted. And so are you. That's why I can call you brother. That's why I can call you sister. We're in the same family. I'm adopted. We also learned that I'm part of God's plan for my time here on earth. If he created me and knew me before the foundations of the world and knew where I was going to be, also had a plan for me. And we looked at that passage a little bit last week. So we fit into God's plan. I'm not to be conformed to this world, but I'm to be transformed by the renewing of my mind so that I can prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And we're walking that out in our life. But that's what being a Christian means. I am surrendering to the kingdom. We pray, God, your kingdom come, your will be done, until it comes, comes time for the Holy Spirit to say, okay, this is what my kingdom person looks like. This is what I have for you. And you go, whoa, I don't know if I want you to be a king. So we, we just say words. But when we say those things, God is dead serious about him bringing us into a kingdom, him having a plan and a purpose for each of our lives. Believe me, I know. I've tried to retire like three or four times. Today we want to move on to verse, just come back and pick up a little bit on verse 7. Next week we'll talk about uh, the next couple of verses that talk about the Holy Spirit in us to enable us to do the things that we are unable to do and how important the Spirit of God is in us. Today I just want us to focus on this passage. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. We're going to unpack that but before we do, let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your incredible word. Now open our eyes that we might see the wonders of it and apply it to our lives. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. The question as I read through this is that I want to ask is, why do I need him? I know this Jesus is the, is the one. He's the, you know, he's the one that died on the cross. He was raised from the dead. We're going to celebrate that. We do the Christmas thing. We do the Easter thing. But what, do, why do I really need him? Why can't I just do life without him well let's, let's look at that a little bit when I was a young pastor that was a while ago I had a board member that you know, young pastors they want to do everything right and we want to do this and we want to do so I'd have a board meeting and say okay guys what do you think about this what do you think about that we should do this we should do that and I remember R.E. Bleak would sit there like this for me. old farmer farmers have more wisdom than they know what to do with and he was sitting there just looking, and he, everybody else was getting excited because I was casting the vision. That's what young pastors do. We cast vision. 
So what do you think, guys? And, and Ari Bleak said, Pastor, is that a need or a want? And at first I was irritated because I was going, you're a stick in the mud, Ari Bleak. You're slowing the process down. But what he had to say was right. Is this a need or is this a want? If you look up the definitions, a want is a desire to have or to possess something. It's kind of like a wish list. I wish. That's a want. A need is something that's required. A need is something essential, like food and water, like air that we breathe. That's a need. That's essential rather than just something desirable. So I need to move from something when when our son... My daughter-in-law wanted him to pop the question, and of course, our son was a little slow. He takes in after his mom, and um, and and he and he wasn't moving fast enough, and so Abby called me and said, "What do we need to do here?" And so then Michael called, and he was all shook up because she was saying, "You need my time clock's running. I'm done. We're, we've been dating long enough. I'm done. What are we gonna do?" And uh, Michael says, what are we going to do, Dad? What, do I, what, what should I do? And I said, well, do you love her? Can you, can you imagine living life without her for the rest of your life? And he said, no. He's in tears. He said, no, Dad, I can't. I said, well, son, this is a no-brainer. Marry the girl, okay? And he did, and I'm glad because we have three grandsons, and uh, they're just a wonderful family. You have to turn the desire, the, the, the want into a real need. I've got to have you in my life. That's where Jesus comes into our life. We reach a place where we can be very religious. And see, religious, religion does that. It, it, it creates that, well, there's a desire. You know, I, I, I want to have a right relationship with God. I want to know that I have eternal life. If I die today, that I'd go to heaven. I, I, I want to know that, but I don't know that I need Jesus. I don't know that I need Jesus to tell me how to live my life. I don't know that I, that I really need Jesus. Yeah, I know. I have it up here. He died on the cross and, and, uh, for the forgiveness of my sins. Yeah, I've got that up here. I go through that, that weekly motion, that weekly religious movement, but uh, something's missing. I don't have a, a need for Jesus like this is the old song we used to sing, this is the air I breathe. Remember that song? You know, this is the air that I breathe. You wake up in the morning, this is the air that I breathe. Hopefully you're breathing, right? And it's like, Jesus, I, I just have to have you today. <laughs> I need you today. So, so, God, I want you to, I want you to. No, God, I, I just need you. I need that presence. And what God's doing in, in you and, and in me and in all of us throughout this city, I've just run across people all over the place that they're going, I just need more of Jesus. I just need him. I want his presence. We watched the tape the other day about the presence of God. And, and we need at Calvary Church here in this place, whenever we come here for whatever we come here for, we need Jesus. We got to have him. It's a got to have. It's a must. The Apostle Paul has already outlined our status with God and how that is transformed because of Christ. We are transformed. But now he wants to make it very clear that your life cannot change unless you're willing to still go through Jesus. 
There's no salvation. There's no transformation. There's nothing without Jesus in your life. That's where we move from religion to relationship. And aren't you glad that happened to you? And if it hasn't, you can do that when you're an old pastor. You can point fingers at people. If it hasn't happened, I encourage you to realize that you have a need. All right. Let's move on. This is a little illustration here about somewhere there. Okay. First off, I'm going to give you the bad news. Don't you like that? I have news for you. Bad news and good news. What you want first? Give me the bad news first, right? So we're going to go through the bad news first. The bad news is Adam's our biological father. Unfortunately, Romans 5.12 says, When Adam's sin, sin entered into the world, Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. Everyone that's in Adam's line sinned, including me. I hate that. I hate that about myself. I keep trying. I, I kept trying, and I kept trying things. I would chase after things, and whether it's alcohol, drugs, you know, you name it, just the list can go on and on and on. The things that we want to pile into that place at Teen Challenge, we used to talk to our students about having a God hole. It's a place that God designed where only he fits. It's like one of those little games that you have for your little kids, you know, with a square and a triangle and all that stuff. And, and you're trying to pound a, a, a round square or round some, a round peg in a square hole. Only God can fit there. But what we do because of Adam is we, we try to put everything else in there and nothing fits. Oh, it fits for a while. We can kind of pound it in there and make it fit and go, yeah, I got peace. I got joy. You know, yeah, I'm okay. And pretty soon it falls apart. You go, wait a minute. That didn't work. There's something missing. There's something missing. How many times have you read, there just seems to be something missing in my life? Well, it's not really funny because, but it gets to a place where God's tapping us on the shoulder and said, you know what you need? You need me. If you open up your heart, I'll fill that hole. Wow. Oh, the joy that fills my soul, right? Everyone born in Adam's line begins to think just like Adam. This is what he thinks. He says, I'm God. Remember when the devil came in the form of a serpent and tricked Eve. And he said, if you'll just eat from this fruit that God said you shouldn't eat from, he knows you'll be just like him. It's the knowledge of the fruit of the, fruit of the knowledge of the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Evil. Good and evil. And once you eat from that fruit, then you'll, then you'll be just like God. He knows that. So he doesn't want you to do that. See, that's the trick, isn't it? Because we go, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to chase after this because it feels good. God's going, yeah. well, it was, probably was good to eat. You have all this knowledge of, of good and both evil, so you think you know it all now. So we start thinking that we're God. We also start thinking, well, I'm the one that needs to be praised. God set himself up as the creator to be praised, to be in control, and to be the only judge. And when you and I enter into Adam's race or Adam's lineage, then we get to thinking, I'm God. I should be praised. How many of you have ever been miffed because you didn't get the praise that you thought you deserved? You did something nobody noticed and you went, so we want to be praised. I'm in control, right? Wrong. 
Lois is in control. No, God is in control. <laughs> How am I doing, honey? I, I, I'm in control. I'm not going to let God be in control of my life. I'm not going to let him tell me what I need to do. I'm not going to let him tell me that that's sin. I'm not going to let him be in control of me. And I'm the judge. I can judge all of you. Here's what I know about myself, though. One of my judgment is, I'm going to judge grace and mercy for me, but I'm going to judge condemnation for you. I'm going to condemn you, but I want mercy for me. We're, we're not, we don't judge right. We don't look at the heart. We just look at out exterior things, but we think we're the judge. We can judge everybody's motives, and you know, we're no, the judge. That's enough of that. Okay. The problem with this kind of thinking is that it makes me an enemy of God. That's the bad news. Thinking like Adam, two things. Makes me an enemy of God, in James 4, 4. It says, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? <laughs> no, no, he just, Jesus just loves me. You know, we just sing kumbaya, everything will be okay. And Scripture doesn't say that. If you're a friend of the world, that makes you an enemy of God. Hmm. Also, I want to change. You ever been in the rat race of hoping that if you just work hard enough? See, that's what religion does, too. If you join the church, or if you stop doing this, if you start doing that, you'll be saved. You'll be okay with God. You'll be okay. You'll be good. Be good, and you'll be better. And so we get on this treadmill trying to please God. There's a lot of religious people. There's a lot of really wonderful people. Maybe you're sitting here today, and you're just a really a nice person, and you're just on this treadmill because you're a, you're a good old boy or a good old girl or a good young girl. You're, you just think, well, hey, uh, I'm okay with God. And so we're on a treadmill, and yet Scripture tells us this. Romans 6, 23, first part of it says, for the wages of sin is death. So we're working, and our wages is still death. We still have that hole that's not filled. We still have that, that something that's missing in our life. That's the bad news. Aren't you glad we're done with that? Is there any escape for that? Well, here's the good news. Coming up soon. The good news. God so loved the world. You know that scripture. That he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe on him would not perish but have everlasting life. Hmm. Probably learned that in Sunday school. Didn't mean very much, but we learned it. We might have even memorized it. Oh, good for Sunday school, huh? God bless those Sunday school teachers and those, kids, those people that lead children. God bless them and you. God brought a cross into the world. In the fullness of time, God gave his son, born of a woman, to die on a cross. He put the cross there, someplace in your life. You began to see it. That cross leads a person to eternal life. I just put a red line in there because I, I like red. 
That's the bloodline. There's something that flows from that cross, the blood of Christ that we just celebrated, and that bloodline flows and leads to eternal life. And hear me, that's the only line, the only path that you can get on that will lead you to eternal life. And the devil wants you to get sidetracked again to get back on you being in control, you being the judge, you being worthy to be praised. He wants you to take you back to old Adam again. And God help you. And God's way leads to eternal life. And eternal life is, the Greek word there is zoe. I like that. And what it means is that it, it, it really means a transformation into something that's, that's eternal. And it's not out there someplace. We're not talking about heaven here. We're talking about eternal life that's at work in you. Remember our memory verse. To him that's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that is at work in us. That's the power that's at work in us, Zoe, eternal life. That power that comes from God is eternal life. And it raises us up, transforms us, so that we're not conformed to this world, so we're no longer enemies of God, we're no longer dirty, rotten sinners, we become saints, and we're on our way to heaven. And we can enjoy each other and enjoy life because of it. Yeah, life can... Pull the rug out from underneath you sometimes. It has us. But you just look at it and say, hey, I know that my Redeemer lives. And I'm going to join him. And he's going to walk with me and talk with me and tell me that I'm his own. (laughs) Everybody that's below 30 doesn't know what I'm talking about. It's a great song. 1 Corinthians 1522 says, just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given a new life. That should be next up there, I think. Ah. 1 Corinthians 1522, everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, but everyone who belongs to Christ will be given a new life. Someplace along the line, you or me, God, I I hit a crossroad. I I hit a crossroad in my life that transformed me, that road that led to death, that black, dirty road that no matter how I worked hard to try to change, couldn't change. Suddenly, I, I hit a crossroad. Suddenly, I saw something that I never saw before. Suddenly, it was a two-way street. Suddenly, God revealed himself to me in such a way that I couldn't, I couldn't ignore it. It's kind of like, you ever get somebody in your way? God gets in your way. And he's big. You can't get him out of your way. He just, I mean, he just steps in your path. And he goes, okay, tough guy. What are you going to do now? (laughs) you got a choice. And I finally made the choice. I said, man, I'm not going to argue with God. That'd be like picking a fight with a thunderstorm. That's just dumb. I made the choice to believe in him, believe what Christ did on the cross was enough for me, and then to belong to him. Say, God, I want you in my life. I want to belong to you. I don't want to play church. I don't want to join some some organization, God. I, I, I want to belong to you. I want you to spirit lead my life. I will give you the rest of my life because of what you've done. 
I'm no longer my own. I'm bought with a price. And so are you. What gives you the privilege or the right to make decisions that God is making for you if you'll let him, if you'll hear him? Remember, I shared a scripture with you last week. These that are led by the Spirit, these are the sons of God. They're led by the Spirit. They belong to him. That transformation takes you off of that path, that crossroads in your life, and, and creates and puts you into a path of eternal life. Zoe at work inside of you and me. Now, so what does that mean? What it means is that I am redeemed. Well, two or three of you get it. I'm redeemed. Yeah. You are redeemed. That means you're bought. Jesus came and said to the devil, what do you want for him? And the devil said, uh, all of your blood, Jesus. So well, that's a pretty high price. But Jesus said, okay, I pay the price. Wow, what a deal that is. So by grace are you saved through faith. And we'll read that in Ephesians 2, 8, 9 a little later on. We'll talk about that, but not today. But right now I want to focus on 2 Corinthians 5, 17, because in him I'm a new creation. The scripture says there that anyone that's in Christ Jesus, if a man is in Christ Jesus, he's a brand new man, basically. Old things are passing away. They've passed away to some degree, but they're still passing away, aren't they? I mean, we're not sinners any longer, but we still walk places we shouldn't walk. We see things we shouldn't see. We say dumb things that we shouldn't say. We, our conduct is not that becoming of, of one who died for us. We're not like Christ in, in, our, in our ways. And, and so he's transforming us. And, and, I, and the promise is that as long as, I, as long as I keep presenting myself to him, that he'll keep doing something in me. Christ in me, the hope of glory. It's Christ in me. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, huh? Yet it's not I that lives. It's Christ who lives in me. And the life that I live in this flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So devil, take your best shot. Sin will not have dominion over my life, and it won't have dominion over your life. Because greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. I am a new creation. I have a new past. What do you mean by that? I can't, I can't get, sometimes I, people have trouble shaking their past, letting it go. Offenses and issues and sins from the past, they just can't let it go. Well, at the cross, you did let it go, didn't you? I mean, you had to. That's why you kneel at the cross. You can't get, I like the illustration, but years ago they had a little illustration, you know, about how you come to Jesus and it's only a little, little tiny box at the bottom of the cross and you had to, you had to go really low. Remember seeing that, that track? Dave does, he's, he's an old guy. Uh, you, used to have to, you have to bend down, you almost have to crawl through that hole. That's, humble yourself, repent, and you, you crawl through that hole. You can't just stop and say, well, I'm, I'm worthy, God, you know, uh, you should save me. No. Humbly bow before that cross, and he lets you in. So, but I have a new past. I look back, and I go, 
Oh, man, God, I wish I wouldn't have done that. Yeah, I do too, John. But you know what? You got a new past. The past. Remember that place where you came to the crossroad? Remember that place where you gave your heart to me? Remember that I died for you? Do you remember that? Yeah, that, now that doesn't mean there's not some consequences to some stupid things that you did, but it just means that you got a new past. I'm not part of Adam's family anymore. I love the scripture that it speaks to young women and it says, forget your father's house. And some of you need to forget your father's house because your father's house was not a good place for you. I have a new past covered with the cross. And then I have a brand new future. I'm a new creation. I'm a brand new man. Old things are passed away. I've been born again. Right? Good, good, that's more than just a song. That's good theology, folks. Listen, listen to this. I'm going to read the rest of it. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now, all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ, gave us the ministry of reconciliation, Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their transgressions against them, and he has committed to us a word of reconciliation. That's the power that lies within us when we open our mouth to others. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin, him, the one that we trust, why I need him, he made him who knew no sin to be sin on my behalf so that I might become the righteousness of God in him. That's why I chose that slide because there's this guy standing there, man. It's not weird. People go, I don't know if I can lift up my hands or not. I don't know, it makes me uncomfortable. ever bring something home for your kids and you say here's something for you and they go and trust me the body of Christ needs a little exercise (laughs) it would be good if we lifted up our hands shout to the Lord shout to the Lord all the earth let me sing oh God I thank you you're the king what What's the matter with you? We're ambassadors for Christ, for crying out loud. Start acting like we're a a group of different people and get excited about what God's done in our lives. Joy of the Lord is contagious. I want to sneeze on everybody. (laughs) Jesus. Until they start, something's the matter with me. I got a whole lot of shaking going on. That's the Holy Ghost, man. That's what it is. <laughs> new past, new future. I got to move along for time's sake. So, back to the question again. Why do I need him? Well, that's a good question. John 3.3. 3. There's this guy named... Nick, who came at night. Go to the next one. A guy by the name of Nick that came at night, and he was a very religious guy, like a lot of people today, very religious. But he's missing something, and he knew that only Jesus had the something that he was missing. So he comes to Jesus, 
sneaking around at night. That's okay. Jesus didn't say, what are you doing here, Nick? He just said, Nick, you must be born again. Wow. Truly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. Remember Adam's line. That's where you were. And, with, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Spirit wind blows across your life. He said, don't be amazed that I said to you, and here it is, you must be born again. Not an option. Not an option. The question is, for you today, for all of us, Am I? Am I? You've got a beautiful song that you were singing earlier today. Is that the song you're doing now? Where is he? Where, where is Jacob? Why is he out there? Oh, because you... Oh. I need to stop being in control, don't I? Okay. Would you stand with me? And, and as they're singing this song, if you have need to come to the altar, I, I believe in altar calls. And I'll tell you why I do, because, you know, God puts out his word, and then what you do is you respond to it. And you just say, you know what, God? I'm going to do business with you. I'm going to let you do business with me. Whatever that business is, none of my business. It's nobody's business, the person next to you, nobody's going to judge you. I, I wish I could say that and be honest, but somebody probably will. Well, what are they going for? If that's you, you need to repent. You need to come to the altar. But find a place to pray. And you can pray where you are, but there's something about stepping out, something about saying, God, I need a change in my life. I need you to be in that spot that you created that only you can fit in. And God, forgive me for allowing some other things to kind of creep in there. And he loves you so much. He'll fill you up, full and overflowing. He will do that for you today. You come if you have need.